Welcome to Books, Bras, and Booze. This is your host, Jamie. And Monica. Hello, hello. Hello and welcome. So we're ending up our, our season with Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. A perfect book for Christmas time um, reading and movie watching. <laughs> <laughs> it does have a very cozy vibe to it. Yes. So... I was like, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this because there's a lot of podcasts that do Harry Potter, but there's a lot of podcasts that do Lord of the Rings, and we did all those because we loved them so much. Yes. So we're like, yeah, we love Harry Potter. Let's go ahead and do it. So I found some discussion questions on our one of our favorite websites, litlovers.com. They have a lot of great questions. And a lot of times they get them from the, uh, the publisher, too, but they it's... It's so easy to use and so much easier to find questions there than it is to like look at the publisher's website and everything. Yeah. So our first question is, if Harry's so famous in the wizarding world, people actually bow to him in the streets. Why is he forced to live with the evil Dursleys for 10 years? I think that is really a great part of the story because it is so key in forming his personality. And I think that was the main reason why Dumbledore, which that was his family anyways. So like technically that was like his next of kin, but then it keeps him out of being famous as a child because who could handle that? Right. And, and then there was the uh, family magic that was protecting him too. Like Voldemort couldn't find him even if he wanted to while he was with the Dursleys oh nice for that time yeah so because there is the big fight with Minerva and Dumbledore like they're terrible people and he's like he has to go and I was like they are terrible people like <laughs> seriously terrible people and it's so funny because because they're terrible he could have grown up to be terrible or he could have grown up to like not want anybody else to go through that and so it was cool that he chose the light yeah. <laughs> uh, rereading it i was kind of like man harry's a little whiny sometimes <laughs> he, he, he did have a terrible childhood and his parents were murdered so i have to I we'll have give to, him some leeway for yeah, that we'll cut him some slack <laughs> sort of like luke skywalker yeah <laughs> he's very whiny <laughs> i was like wow he's so whiny i didn't pick up on that as a kid <laughs> So, Gryffindor looks for loyalty, chivalry, and courage. Hufflepuff values friendship, hard work, and patience. Ravenclaw picks students with knowledge, intelligence, and wit. Slytherin has wizards that are resourceful, cunning, and ambitious. Which house would you be sorted into? Did you do the quiz online to get your house? <laughs> so, yeah, I went to Pottermore and I did the quiz, and I went into Ravenclaw. So Ravenclaw is the one that I would love to be in. And that's how I would like to see myself. But every time I did the quiz, I ended up in Slytherin. <laughs> I was like, well, of course. <laughs> Resourceful, cunning. And a nice green color. <laughs> I like that. <clears throat> My sister also likes the Slytherin green color. She buys a lot of the merch that, that she looks, she thinks she looks nice in it. Mm. I started following this guy on Instagram that does like these uh, safety checklists for different things like 
movies and TV shows and stuff like that. <clears throat> and he does one about the Forbidden Forest, which cracks me up. Oh, that's funny. The Forbidden Forest is off limits to Hogwarts students, but later it's the place where Harry serves his first attention. Do you think there's been a change in the opinion of Hogwarts officials regarding Harry's ability to handle danger? If so, how did this change come about? Well, I think that they really don't worry too much about danger at Hogwarts. <laughs> it's kind of like more like when we were a kid, like you're sort of expected to, you know, be smart enough to survive, I suppose. Right. <laughs> I mean, so they would have been children in the... 80s and 90s is when it takes place oh, okay. so yeah they're being raised by boomer boomer oh. wizards yeah yeah <laughs> so for sure you're on your own buddy and i mean i guess technically they were with hagrid well for most of the time but i feel like um a lot of the stuff that happens to harry is kind of like subtly orchestrated by Dumbledore and I don't think it ever really says that or anything but I think a lot of his like in the right place at the right right time kind of thing learning stuff he needs to know is sort of like that so the the Instagram video was hilarious because the guy's like so some kids were caught out of bed so to punish them we send them into the forest that's forbidden at night <laughs> right <laughs> this doesn't sound very safe <laughs> so how would you spend an afternoon on Diagon Alley meeting the goblins at Gringarts studying spells at Flourish and Bots testing rooms at Quality Quidditch Supplies what would you do? well I definitely would like to go get my wand at Ollivander's we did that at um, Universal. My sister lives in Florida, and we took the kids there when they were really little. And when they do the, like, the demonstration, Marley got picked to go up. Aww. And um, when she held up her wand, like, all the magic would happen in the shop, and it was so cool. <laughs> so, yes, that's what I would pick. <laughs> I love that, too. <clears throat> I would definitely be shopping for witchy supplies. Like, yeah. I'm going to make some potions, and I'm going to get my wand. It's going to be fantastic. I'm going to need some books. Oh, along those lines, would you pick an owl, a cat, or a rat? Oh, okay. Um, I love cats. I love cats so much. It would have to be a cat. I, I love cats, too, but I have plenty of cats, so I would pick an owl. You do have plenty of cats. Yes. <laughs> I have way too many pets. I, for someone who never wanted pets. Right, and I'm like... Really, owls, this is how we're going to send the mail and messages. I'm like, huh. We, we, we couldn't do cell phones or paging, a beeper. I'm like, owl? All right. But I like how the owls can understand them when they talk. Like, I think that's why I like the owls so much. I don't know. <laughs> they are very pretty. Yes. They're very majestic. <clears throat> there are some humorous character names at Hogwarts. Three-headed dogs name is Fluffy. The professor of herbology is Professor Sprout. Can you think of any other examples? Well, the only one I kept thinking of was not in this book, which was Luna Lovegood, which I love her name. I would have named one of my cats Luna, but the kids wouldn't let me. Um, <laughs> I love Nearly Headless Nick. Oh, yeah. That's good, too. I was like, why can't I think of any other name of any other character now? Thanks a lot question <laughs> put it on the spot where's their heart <laughs> names are harder <clears throat> what 
While choosing his wand at Ollivander's, Harry finds out that the wand right for him shares a special connection to the wand sold to Voldemort. What do you think this connection symbolizes? So, I thought this was an interesting plot point in the book, and I thought it was, you know, it wasn't mentioned a whole lot. I'm rereading all the books, and it's mentioned again in the Triwizard Tournament book, because he never told anybody that. He didn't figure that would be a good thing to announce, that he had the brother wand to Voldemort's wand. So I just thought it was just another symbol for that good versus evil dichotomy. But I don't know. Could be something more. It could be. It could be. I think it it has that they're connected. Oh yeah, for so sure. That that their their fates are connected to one another, that they're they're gonna be one or the other's gonna live. And that's yeah. how it's gonna end. Uh, all right, so before we go on, you want to talk about our beverage? Today? Yes. I we may have had this one before because this is like a go to wine for me. Tabor Hill is one of our local wineries, and I've actually not been to this physical winery, although oh. I've been to several other ones. Um, but I always pick up just just a classic demi red. It's like a nice, sweet but not too sweet red table wine, and it's pretty affordable. It's usually like six or seven dollars, but it's it's really nice wine. It is a really nice wine mm-hmm. and a very good price. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> So the story is told through Harry's view, except for the first chapter, which is told through Mr. Dursley's point of view. Why does the author choose to tell us the story with Dursley's thoughts and reactions instead of a third-person story? What does it add to the story? So I read that question and I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, I think I got to go back and reread the first chapter so I don't really remember. I didn't go back and reread it. What do you think? So, like, you want to do... As a writer, you want to do a first-person point of view so you understand what that person's thinking. So it's setting up the story with knowing how horrible <laughs> Mr. Dursley really is okay. and how like pretentious and just awful it was to be Harry living with these people. It's not like you're, you're going to know from Harry's point of view that he doesn't really care about them, oh. but... From Mr. Dursley's point of view, you can also see that they don't care about him either. And I guess that's a really powerful way to do that because a lot of times with as a kid point of view, you know, definitely they could exaggerate or they could be really mad even though the parents are doing something for their best interests. But this isn't like that with the Dursleys. They just want to, they don't downright like beat him. Or anything, but it is very abusive. Very abusive. Yeah. And they're very ashamed that he's even there. Yeah. They're like, oh, why do we have to do this? <clears throat> so the mirror of... Oh, I can't say this. Erised? Is that how you say it? Erised? Maybe. Hmm. Shows the most desperate desire of our hearts. Professor Dumbledore told Harry that if he stood in front of the mirror, he would see himself holding... A pair of thick woolen socks. Mm-hmm. What do you see? I would probably see my house remodeled. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would see. I would be laying on this giant bed surrounded by cats and like 
bottles of cheese and wine everywhere. It would be like... Well, that sounds pretty fantastic. Living in my glorious, gluttonous ways. I'm like, oh, and with, like, Christmas, it has brought on the gluttony. Well, let me tell you, <laughs> I have been uncomfortably full for a solid three days. Well, that means you're doing it right. I'm doing it right. Yeah. I'm doing it right. I was like, last night, I was like, oh, I want some of my Christmas wine. I don't have room for Christmas wine. I'm like, I'm going to force myself to have at least a little bit of Christmas wine. I'm like, that was not a good idea. I feel so much worse. Oh. <clears throat> so although he knows he's disobeying an order from the teacher... Harry takes flight on a broomstick during an afternoon class. However, instead of being punished, he is named Gryffindor Seeker on the Quidditch team. Name other instances when Harry broke the rules but was not punished. Well, before I answer that question, I will just say that that is like the coolest scene in the first book and the first movie. And the reason why I love it is because I think Professor McGonagall is pr probably my favorite. Character. I love her. I, I love, love her, her so much. Oh, so much. And she's so strict and she's so stern. So when she gets excited about something, it's like always that much more precious. Mm -hmm. Um, so when she marches him upstairs and he thinks he's gonna get expelled, and it's like, oh, he gets to be on the Quidditch team. I was like, yes. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> And yes. so, yeah, so I couldn't think of any other example. I'm sure there that's, like, literally the whole book, but. Well, yeah, and, and like, the, the punishment of going out hunting a unicorn or whatever with Hagrid in the forest. And yeah. So many other times, like, through all the series when Dumbledore's just really like, oh, it's fine. It's okay. Oh, like, when they went to go fight the cave troll, like, they got points taken away, but then they got, like, mucho points given back to them because they defeated the cave troll. Right, right. Yeah. And it's because they felt bad about being jerks. <laughs> <laughs> they deserved to feel bad. They were kind of dicks to Hermione. Yes. <laughs> yes, they were. And I... Um, in rereading the books, I remember how much I like her character, oh, too. I love her so much. Yeah. She's my favorite literary character of all time. Aww, yay. She's just so smart, and she's always, like, level-headed, and let's go to the library. <laughs> I love her. Yeah, I was, I was, I have a greater <laughs> appreciation for the library this time around reading the books than I did the first time I read them. Yeah, for sure. I'm like, I'm very bookish, so when I find a bookish character, I'm like, clutch! Who did you expect Harry to encounter once through the trap door? Were you surprised? I was surprised. I was surprised. Yeah, I think that they did a really good job of keeping, um, what was his name, Quirrell? Quirrell. Um, they did a really good job of keeping him very, like, meek. Yeah, and everything. bumbling idiot kind of. Yeah, so although I knew it couldn't be Snape because it was too obvious, that I ne I didn't expect it to be him. Yeah. Neither did I. I, yeah. I was very surprised. Which, um, I first read these back in my 20s. So back then, I was more easily surprised. Yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, I don't know. So, like... 
uh, I was trying to remember, when did I read this? I think it was like maybe in 2000. I was like, oh, I hear all this this uh, chatter about Harry Potter. Ooh, Harry Potter, Harry Potter. I'm like, whatever. And I had one of those book subscription things where you could get free books in the mail. Oh, and okay. so I was like, oh, fine, I'll get a Harry Potter book. And then I became a Potterhead, and I was like, I need them all. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> I don't think I read them until a little later. I think it was when Kira, my oldest, was in elementary school. So it would have been in the, you know, early 2000s, I suppose. But I think I read it, like, with the intention of reading it to the kids or something like that. And then I ended up really liking them too. And I, what I really like about the Harry Potter books is they start off sort of on the simpler side, but then they get much more complex and a lot more complex themes and they get a little more um, suitable for adults. I mean, they're all suitable for adults. I read young adult books anytime I want to, but <laughs> they get very dark. Yeah. Very fast. Yeah. Yeah. So it said that the no first novel was was published in 1997, according mm. to this Goodreads. That makes sense that because Kira was, um, you know, born shortly after that, and but I don't think I read it right away when it came out. And then the movie was first released in 2001, and I don't remember. Which movies, but my sister is like, let's dress up and go to the movies. So we dressed up for at least some of the movies. <laughs> Fun. I didn't, I don't think I saw them in the theaters. Yeah, I don't think I did. I, I remember seeing some at the ready. And like, I remember being dressed up in line on Main Street. Hmm. And then I, I remember seeing some of them in Wonderland. So I saw them all in the theater. Huh. But, like, and I was like, I have these grand ideas. I will, I will keep these books, and I will read them to my children, and my children will love these books. And when my oldest was a baby, and I was nursing, sitting around doing a lot of nothing, so I would read. And I tried rereading the first book, and it was so horribly sad. <laughs> Having a little infant son in my arms. And all I the hormones. bawling my eyes out. And yeah. I was like, I can't do this right now i have to wait till they're older oh i told um my my son came out and i was like oh i'm rereading the harry potter books i've got the first one over there do you want to read it he said nope read it and i was like you did and he said yeah i said well i've got the second one do you want to read that one no <laughs> I was like, "How are you, my son?" <laughs> I know that, and that's uh, yeah. It was like I try to get my kids to read it now. And the other one's like not interested at all. He's like, "I only read this genre. This is all I'm reading." Oh God, that sounds like me. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care if you love these books, whatever. No. And then my younger one's like, "The first one doesn't look so bad." But then they get really thick. I'm not going to read really long books. So I don't want to get sucked into something that I'm going to spend two years reading. And I was like, dang. They are really long. <laughs> they are. I like long books, though. I If I get an 800-page book, which I did find one not too long ago, I feel like I hit the jackpot. Especially since it was a compelling read all the way through. So I am, like, okay with that. Um and I was really good with the movies, too. It's kind of like The Lord of the Rings. 
I think Harry Potter stays more closely related to the books than the Lord of the Rings does, although I'm sure there are some differences, but it really conveys the spirit of the books and the magic and the I, contrast. And I will say one thing, the music does so much for the story with the movies. Like if they had that music playing while you're reading the book, it would be fantastic. Yeah. I really like the soundtrack. Uh, yeah, I had read all the, I had read like everything that was released before 2001 when the movie came out. So when I saw them, I was like, oh, that's not how I pictured them. I'm like, Hermione's hair's not big enough. I'm uh-huh. like, I don't like this. And I'm like, I go, no. I'm like, I don't even know if Harry has green eyes. He's supposed to have green eyes. Are his eyes green? They don't look green. So I was like very analytical about it. And now I'm sort of like, oh, just enjoy the movie. Stop fretting on all the details. Stop fretting about when the story is different. It'll be fine. Yeah. And so like I have friends at work that have uh, watch the movie so many times that they know the movie's better than the story. Oh, yeah. So then they get confused about some of the little conflicting details. I do that, too. And although with visualizing the characters, since I don't visualize, I don't know what a character looks like until I see the movie. I mean, I can get kind of like a vague idea, but not like so. But it's not anywhere near solid enough where if I see the movie, I can't believe that that's the character you know Mm -hmm. so now when i'm rereading the books after having seen the movies the books are more clear to me because i can picture you know what hogwarts looks like and you know what the ghosts look like and what the so it it helps me immensely if they do a good job with the movie yeah i can see that i can definitely see that especially when there's a lot of characters and there's a lot of moving lines of story going on same time yeah which isn't so much in the first book but definitely in the later books where there's like three or four plot lines going on at the same time yeah yeah i'm an i'm an unusual person with aphantasia a lot of people who can't visualize like only read nonfiction. a lot of people don't really like fiction books and you're like, I'm other big fiction. <laughs> I will be weird in whatever category you try to put me in. I will be the weird one. <laughs> like, I don't want to be in this life. Put me in a better one. <laughs> oh. uh, so do you have any any other thoughts about books or movie? You know, I guess the only thoughts that are coming to me are a character that's not in this book. It's not until the next book or the one after that, which is Professor Trelawney, who I love her too. I think she's great. And Dumbledore has this line where Harry thinks she actually did a real prediction and he goes, Oh, that brings the number of her real predictions up to two. I should give her a pay raise. (laughs) I think that might be, I think it's in the third book. I don't know. It was hilarious. But her classroom, I was like, I could, that would be my class. It's got the incense going and the smushy pillows and everybody's aura and, <laughs> and the tea leaves. The tea leaves. It was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. really liked her. <laughs> uh, I love her uh, character in the movies too. Mm-hmm. I like, she definitely has that sort of crazy witchy hippie vibe to her. Yeah. I was like, yeah. She's very cute. Yeah. But I'm glad we did this book, and I'm glad we did this book-to-movie combo, because like you said, there's lots of podcasts that do it, but 
I think it's, you know, it's one of our favorites. So we don't care what everybody else does. We're doing this for fun. So it was fun to talk about. It was. Yeah. So, well, thank you everyone for listening. We hope you had a great 2022. Happy New Year. And we look forward to doing something new and interesting in 2023. As soon as we think of it. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.